Well, good morning, everyone. I'm delighted to get to be here with you this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Carmen Harper, and I serve Woodlawn as an associate pastor. Um, I did realize when I was getting ready this morning that yesterday was my fifth anniversary here at the church on staff. Yeah, I really enjoy being here. I thank y'all for giving me the opportunity for that. So Joe usually takes off time in the month of July because Laura, being a school teacher, usually that's when she's free from her obligations. So they're going to be spending some time together and with their family over the next month. And we are calling this not a series, text messages, because everybody that you're going to see preach this, this month is just... It's coming straight from the text. How has God been speaking to you? What has God laid on your heart to um, kind of talk about over the next month? So that's where we got the text messages. So um, you're going to get to experience some of the other members of staff over the next month who love Jesus and want to share his word. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks to you today that we can come freely in the name of Jesus to worship you learn from you, and experience your presence. We ask that you make yourself known in this place. We devote this time to you and ask that you would bless it and that you would feed our souls and our spirits. We submit to you in this time and ask you to help us remember that we show up here, not of our own volition, but in response to your call. And everything that is done in this place is for your glory, honor, and purpose. This is not about us. This is all about you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And it is in his matchless name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. So as Americans, we tend to care a great deal about our freedom, right? So especially at this time of year when we're celebrating our independence as a nation. Because it was on July 4th of 1776 that our founding fathers got together and they created this document that declared to everyone and anyone that we would no longer be ruled by someone else. They wanted to be free. But the truth of it was that the Declaration of Independence was just a piece of paper at that point. Because just by declaring their freedom really didn't make them free. Because the final victory and ultimate freedom did not happen just because they said it was so, right? So, in fact, it took several years of fighting the British, and uh, so they had to engage the enemy in order to be set free. And it was on September 3rd of 1783 when we signed a document that was called the Treaty of Paris when we actually um, were set free as a country to govern ourselves, so freedom had been declared, but action had to be taken for that freedom to become a reality. And I want you to hold on to that idea as we go through the scripture today. It comes from the book of John, if you have your Bibles with you. Um, we're going to be looking at John 8, 31 through 36. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, 
but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now let me give you a little background into what's going on here. In chapter 5, we learn from the Apostle John, who is said to have been the writer of this particular book, that Jesus and his followers had went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. John then begins to tell story after story of what happened while they were there, and this is one of them. So I want you to keep in mind when you read the book of John that this is an eyewitness testimony from one of his closest followers. So this conversation takes place between Jesus and his people in Jerusalem, and the subject is freedom. You see, the Jews, like the would-be Americans, knew very well what it was like to be ruled by someone else. At the time the conversation was taking place, they were under Roman occupation. That was just the latest in a long line of people who had kept them under their thumbs. To me, that's one of the things that makes this conversation so interesting, right? So Jesus is talking to these folks and he's saying, you guys really need to be free. But as soon as he mentions freedom, this man speaks up and he says, how can you mention freedom to us? We're Abraham's children. We're not anyone's slaves and we never have been and we never will be. What's interesting that he takes that stance despite the nation's reality because we know, as this man very well did too, that, that the Jews had spent over 400 years in slavery to Egypt. And as I said a moment ago, they were under Roman occupation at this moment, and that was just a, a, the last in a line of people who had ruled over them. Now, I can admire this man for seeing past the natural and saying, hey, we aren't slaves because God has made this covenant promise to us that we are always going to be free. And that promise must have been really deeply embedded within his heart that he could look past what was, was to the what would, would be. But his response does highlight the first thing that I want to talk about from this portion of scripture, and that's you can be in chains and believe that you're free. Now, just as Americans had declared their independence despite the fact that they were still very much under British rule, the Jews viewed themselves as free despite the fact that they existed under Roman occupation, right? So, as I began to ponder this thought and what it could mean for us today, it led me to a couple of things. The first is that there are people today who believe that they are free and they call themselves Christians, but the reality is that they're not. Now, they may have been, you may be sitting beside somebody that feels this way. They may have attended church all of their lives, but they have never really been set free because they have never really entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you may be sitting beside someone who appears to be free that is deeply embedded in bondage. They may even believe themselves to be free because they don't realize that what they're doing is a lack of freedom. Hosea 4, 6 captures the Lord declaring, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of your God. For us, this may show up in our lives in the form of us doing things that the Bible expressly forbids. 
And I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt that we may not be doing this intentionally. We may honestly be doing it because we do not know that it is wrong. This verse says that very clearly. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, I see this one particular thing more than I would like, and it always breaks my heart. And I'm sure you've seen this as well. And you may not even be aware of it being wrong yourself, but this shows up in the lives of believers, and it is harmful, and it is forbidden. They don't realize it. They think it's acceptable, so they do it. Have you ever been scrolling your Facebook feed? And you see a Christian that's been a Christian for 20 years post their horoscope online. And then they talk about the signs that they were born under and how that shows up in traits in their life. The word for astrology is the he- in the Hebrew language literally, literally means divining the heavens. Divination is the act of foretelling future events or of revealing secret knowledge by means of signs and omens and other supernatural agency. Did you know that Leviticus 19.26 says, do not practice divination or sorcery? That also means no witchcraft. And that doesn't look like casting spells, y'all. Now I'm about to make somebody mad. That could look like you reading books are watching movies that promote people doing magic, especially children. They're coming for your kids, folks. When we allow things that the Bible has forbidden to be a part of our lives, there are spiritual implications. We put ourselves in bondage to spiritual forces that we may not even recognize. So if you want to be free, we must be obedient which is the second thing I want you to notice. Freedom is contingent upon obedience. Where there is a disobedience in your life, there is going to be bondage. Look back at verse 31. Jesus begins this conversation by saying, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, if we look at that on the flip side, it says, if you do not obey my teaching, you are not really my disciples. How's that feel to you? Unfortunately, there has been this move in Christianity that says all you have to do is believe and that you're good with God. Remember, Joe talked about this a couple of times in his last sermon series. And the scripture that people base that off of is Romans 10, 9 through 11. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now, Christians depend deeply and lean hard into that. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead part. But they skim right over that part that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. This is not a one-time thing. This is not a, I walked an aisle and I said a prayer and I got my get out of hell free card and I'm good. This is your mouth will continually proclaim that Jesus is Lord of your life. 
To say that Jesus is Lord is to speak of obedience. Someone cannot be Lord in your life if you do not do what they say. If we served under an earthly king, we would not get away with disobedience because they are our king and we must obey. So how much more should Jesus being Lord mean that we are to be obedient to him? He sees what every earthly authority misses. He knows what's in the recesses of your heart. He knows every deviant thought. If we do not obey, he is well aware. So from the mouth of Jesus, we see that we are his true disciples. If and only if we all do his teaching. So how do we do that? In John 8, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That brings me to the third thing that these verses show us. Jesus' teaching is truth. John 14 records a conversation for us that Jesus had with his disciples before going to the cross. And he's trying to explain to him to them that he's going to lead them. So during that conversation, Jesus declares that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him. So in John 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus is praying to the Father, and uh, verse 17 asks, has Jesus praying to the Father, and he says, sanctify them. Now the them in that verse is us. He is praying for us every believer. He prays, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Psalm 119, 160 adds to that and says, the sum of your word is truth. The sum, the totality, all of it, all of your word is truth. So following Jesus' teaching is being obedient to the precepts that he left behind for us in his word. And it's the entirety of his word. Being obedient to some of it is not enough. If you are truly to be Jesus' disciples, his followers, we have to be obedient to the sum or all of his word. Y'all, this is why we need Jesus, because we're not capable of doing this on our own. So by our obedience, we are set free. So the question then becomes, what's he setting us free from? I'm glad you asked. So let's take a look back at the original portion of scripture portion of scripture. John 8:34, Jesus replied, Very truly, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Now that brings me to the fourth and final thing that I see in this passage of Scripture, and it's that sin is the ultimate bondage. Now, I began today by speaking of the Declaration of Independence and showing how important it is for freedom is to us as Americans. It is so valuable to us that we were willing to go to war to shed our blood 
and even to die to be free. And not just in that particular war, but the many more, many wars that we have fought since to maintain our freedom as a country. Freedom was worth our blood and our very lives. And that is what we celebrate at this time of year. It's a big deal. We put on our red, white, and blue. We fly our flags. We celebrate with our families and friends. We put these big explosions up in the air that create lights in the sky that mimic the action of war that set us free. And we do all of that to celebrate the freedom from having another rule over us. So hear me when I tell you that I'm not finding anything wrong in that. It's a good thing to celebrate. However, Jesus is telling us that the ultimate bondage is not foreign rule. It is a life that is ruled by sin. So when is the last time that you celebrated the victory over sin in your life or in the life of one of your loved ones? So as Christians, we should be willing to fight to our final breath to rid ourselves of the sin that places us in bondage. Sadly, we do not view that as a battle worth fighting, right? It's not going to hurt just this once. I like this movie. These little magicians, they make me happy when I read them. Not only do we not fight sin, we voluntarily give into it and we live our lives exactly as those who have not been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we place ourselves right back in the bondage to sin that he has freed us from. So Jesus has given us freedom from sin. The Holy Spirit lives, when, lives within us all. And he is there to empower us to conquer every onslaught of the enemy. Every temptation that the world places in front of us and every cry of the flesh. But this is what I want. So since that is the case, why do we decide to be complacent in our sin? Why not fight the good fight of faith and win the victory in our lives? Now this is the thought that I want to leave you with. If Jesus says that sin is the ultimate bondage in our lives and we need freedom from it more than anything else, should we not try a little harder as believers to have a little bit less of it in our lives? Should we not come into agreement with what the Lord says in his word and become obedient to that? So if you're struggling with some sort of sin in your life, you know what bondage feels like. And here's the good news. We can fight and we can be free. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You can be set free. So if you've ever never been set free from sin today, if you've never received Jesus Christ and become obedient to his word, today is your day. And if you've been in bondage to sin, God's divine power has the ability to demolish strongholds in your life.
and you can be free. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the word of truth, and for the freedom that it brings. Lord, you have shown us today what it means to truly be free. Your word says that the weapons that we war with are divine and can demolish strongholds. If there are strongholds in our lives that have been erected by our enemy through our disobedience, Lord, I ask that you would reveal them to us right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for forgiveness and we beg your pardon for offending you. Lord, we cancel out any ground the enemy took in our lives because of sin. We want to be free. Your word assures us that if you set if you set us free, then we will be free indeed. And that it is for the very sake of freedom that you have set us free. You do not want to see us be bound by anything. We love you, Lord, for the work that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So at this time, we are going to celebrate the thing that brought us freedom in the church. We're going to come to the Lord's table. This is not the table of Woodlawn Church. This is the Lord Jesus Christ's table. And it has been made ready for all who love him and earnestly desire to serve him. Therefore, let us confess our sins before God and before one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, nor have we heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Amen. Now on the night that he gave himself up for us, Jesus was sitting at supper with his disciples, and he took the bread and he broke it, and he blessed it, and he gave thanks for it, and he said to them, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same way, when supper was over, he took the cup and he raised it and he blessed it and he gave thanks for it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant that is poured in my blood that is poured out for the remissions of sin for you and for many. Do this in remembrance of me. Eternal God, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer praise and thanksgiving. As a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for all of us, we proclaim the mystery of the faith. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to the world.